Lunch time. It's been 180 days since the Raw took to the pitch in an A-League match. For an off-season where just a few things have happened, we're ready to see some football again. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review A-League Preview Special. We've had our pre-season hit-outs, the rust is mostly gone, and it's now time to get down to business. We're a part of the Daily Football Show Fan Network, and it's now year three for us, so it's really time for us to produce something memorable, maybe. For those of you listening for the first time, or if you just need a bit of a reintroduction to us, my name's James Coglin. I'll be the host of the show for at least the next six or so months, but all things going well, maybe deep into May too. I'm joined by my two co-presenters who probably should get a bit more of a pump-up than generic football experts in Scott <laughs> Owen and Adam Pace, but for now, that'll have to do. Welcome back for another season, guys. How are we feeling? Good, James. Adam, good to see you again. I yeah, do remember back in the early days, you did give the big pump-up with some ridiculous, absolutely absurd descriptions for Adam and myself, and I noticed you stopped. Genius? Was that one of the... <laughs> uh, you, that might have, been, that might have been when you jumped the shark and stopped when you <laughs> when you went that far. Adam, how are you? Yeah, good. It's uh, been a while but uh, recording this, but yeah. I think that's actually the longest break we've had since the end of Season 1, because we were going with NPL and the World yeah, Cup, yes. but yeah, it's good. We're... Yeah, we had a pre-season and off-season and pre-season again. <laughs> Something like that. Alright, so before we get into the show, a bit of an introduction on what we do here will be a weekly show that comes out straight after we record, which is usually on a Wednesday night. We'll talk first and foremost about the Raw and other footballing stories in Queensland, including the local NPL competition when that starts possibly as early as next month. (laughs) Our show is usually in four segments and we'll endeavour to do our best to keep it under an hour most weeks because according to my wife, parents, extended family and friends, nobody wants to hear me talk for longer than that. Alright, so we're three fans who dedicate our time to covering the world game and do this as a labour of love and most importantly, we appreciate any and all fan input and interaction on the show. So you can message us on Facebook, Raw Review, Twitter, at BNE Football, email, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com, and our podcast is available on a number of platforms, Wooshka, iTunes, Radio Public, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So listen, download, and get involved that way, though. But for now, let's get into it with segment one and our Raw Season Preview. What do you say, guys? I'd say it sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I think... on the back of that intro. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so segment one, we're going to talk about the Raw and the off-season they've had and how they're shaping up with the A-League. If the Raw season goes as long as that intro goes, it'll be a really long year. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so that's the first also shot very good, <laughs> a good intro, so. Yeah, and that was on the first take it as was. well. It was, give you credit. Alright, so Brisbane Raw pre-season, they've played 9-1-5, drawn 4. Uh, 20, 21 goals for, 7 goals against. Against uh, other A-League clubs, they were 1 draw and 1 win and 3 draws. This is still the first take. Last season, they were finished in sixth place, eliminated in week one of the finals. Uh, this season, FFA Cup, and last season, FFA Cup round of 32, and last season there was, of course, that ACL preliminary round, but that will be the last we speak of that night at QE2 Stadium. Oh, what night? What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> so there has been a bit of a turnover in the Raw squad. Gone are Corey Brown, Fahid Ben Kalfala, Ivan Franich, Corey Gromero, Massimo Macarone, Emilio Martinez, Jade North, Mitch Oxborough, and Michael Theo. And I want to actually, before we talk about that, 
give both of you a bit of a challenge here. How many games experience left during your season, do you think? All those players. 567. Adam? Don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually 636 Ooh. games. Okay, 30... I was just taking it down. <laughs> yeah. 636 games, 31 goals and 44 clean sheets. Hmm. So, there's a, a, last year all the whole story was the Raw's extreme experience roster. That's in evidence right there, the overhaul. Yep. Four players of over 100 games have gone, so... I'm going to lead off running back. I wrote this in the Daily Football Show uh, preview, which is available on their website right now. Quick plug, uh, four minutes in. Second plug for DFS. Yeah. Well, I was you on the show. You read the Riot Act down there last week, did you? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was re-indoctrinated. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Adrian and John. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what I was going to say, though, was clearly the plan for building the squad last season didn't work, and that's evidenced by the fact that there has been a complete overhaul of attack, and in comes the likes of Alex Lopez, Stefan Morg, Tobias Mickelson. Is it Tobias or Tobias? We'll find out. To ask Stefan Negro, uh, youngster Aaron Reardon has been promoted. And in comes Adam Taggart and the scoring goals in the NPL for fun, Dylan Wenzel-Halls. Yeah, it's an interesting mix of players, actually. It's a couple of high-quality players from Europe, Mickelson and Lopez. A couple of guys from around the A-League, Morg and Taggart, along with Negro. And, yeah, a couple of young guys who've been around the youth setup for a while. Dylan obviously went away and came back, so... An interesting mix of players to add together. It certainly lowers the average age as well. Yeah, so unfortunately, a lot of those jokes we saw last season about the Raw Senior Citizen Club, they're going to have to be shelved for a little yes. while. Get some new material. Mm. But look, what what does stand out for me is the fact that they've really gone to overhaul those attackers, Adam. Yeah, look, I think it's it seems to be a composition of a squad that's, you know, it's more of a plan, whereas last year it seemed to be cobbled together. You know, obviously, when you, you sign a, I suppose for lack of a better term, a marquee striker like Massimo Macaroni. They're trying to fit in around, whereas this seems to be more of the LLC side of two years ago where, you know, it seems to be a plan. They've signed players to positions. And I think I think this one, this uh, this squad actually is going to look pretty good. They yep. needed to overhaul the front, though. It was slow. Yep. You can call it old if you want, but more to the point, it was slow. And now it's gone back to, obviously, Borello and McLaren in LLC's first incarnation of the front third. Now it's gone back to that in certain ways with Taggart, Mickelson. Enrique's got pace as well. So it's gone back to more pace in the front third, which is always dangerous. And we'll talk about this a little bit more later on, but it does seem like they've tried to, yeah, as you say, go a little bit closer to what worked in Aloisi's early years, most notably with the striker. Now, Macaroni was a huge departure from what we saw from Jamie McLaren. He was a lot stronger and, as you say, not quite as quick. And didn't come from Perth. (laughs) But he was that like he was a very different sort of striker, and it seems like Taggart he does seem to, he does also seem to be stronger than McLaren, but he does have that ability to run in behind as well. Yeah, oh, exactly, and I think it's also as well proven at this league and this level. I think that's that's the big attraction with Adam Taggart. Maybe uh, injury, some injury concerns, but obviously if he stays fit, um, look, I would think yeah, you, know, you could see him scoring at least you know double figure goals if all goes to plan. He gets to be the main man here now, not in Andy Keogh's shadow. And the last time he was the main man in the A-League was at Newcastle when he won the Golden Boot. And, and he's quietly. a better player from then to now, obviously, with more experience. And just quietly, the last striker they signed from Perth worked out pretty well, too. <laughs> mm. All right, so what we're going to do now, we're going to run through each group of uh, players in the squad and just, I suppose, answer a couple of the questions we've had about them. So we're going to start off with the goalkeepers. It, this is going to be pretty straightforward. You've got Brendan White as a backup, Jamie Young, the clear number one. Yeah, that's the big change now. Last year, there was still some debate with it, Theo, was it Young? Young answered that pretty quickly last season. 
this year there is really isn't a debate. As good a young goalkeeper as Brendan White is, I think the only way we'll see him this season is if Jamie Young has an injury or picks up a red card in the game, which, fingers crossed, doesn't happen because he was the best goalkeeper in the league last year, Yep, Jamie Young, and he's going to be a big part of whatever success the Raw have this year. He did single-handedly pick up points for the Raw last year, and while we hope he doesn't have to pull out these heroics again, we at least have the faith that he will be able to do it. Yeah, yeah. Like I said the uh, the A League Goalkeeper of the Year, the uh, Brisbane Roar, Gary Wilkins medalist. Uh, obviously, he's he's the man. And um, yeah, it's it's his uh, number one jersey to lose, even though he's going to be wearing twenty one. Yes, that's right. Uh, he was actually asked at today's press conference, and he said uh, it was a good, you know, sort of mental motivator to try and keep himself working going forward. Uh, also, this season, he was actually said that he's uh, dropped a bit of weight, and this is what he had to say on that. I mean, it's hard to say. Um terms of last season but what I can tell you is I've been working incredibly hard every day you know, I'm down four kilos in terms of body weight um, and it's very important to me personally to come and work hard that's the basis of, of my life um, and you know I, I get a real sense of satisfaction from learning skills and, and reacquiring or retaining skills so it's, it's important to me for sure to, to continually pushing to, to better myself um, so I can contribute in any way four kilograms that's a lot Sorry? Four kilograms, did you say? Yep. That's a lot. So that was that the idea? Was so that you felt like you really needed to shed that weight? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, just want to obviously, you know, being in good physical condition, you know, gives longevity in a footballing career. You know, our media officer has got probably lower skin folds than some athletes in the A League. Um, so yeah, it's important the physical component of football, and you know, I, I was. Bold enough to say in the offseason to myself that I have things to improve just like anybody else, and that was one of them. Did you change anything specific with your training in the offseason? Try anything new? Um, I mean, I've tried everything from yoga to CrossFit to powerlifting. Uh, you know, I looked at my diet as well and changed things there. Um, it's just being a bit more conscious. Um, it's not to say that I wasn't doing anything wrong last year, but you know, everything's evolved all the time, so this is just part of that. And we'll get to see if those training methods uh, start to work out as soon as Sunday when they take on the Mariners in the season opener. Going to move on now to the defenders. Now, this is a group that I personally have the biggest uh, question mark over. Obviously, you've got Daniel Bowles, Luke Devere, Jack Hingett, Dane Ingham, Stefan Negro, Connor O'Toole, Avram Papadopoulos, Jacob Pepper, Aaron Reardon, and Kai Truen. Now, Truen, is he a senior contracted player? Or is he... He's on scholarship contract, so I assume it counts. Yeah, so he will be. he'll be involved with the team, even if it might not be as a starting role on game day. Now, my big question, obviously you've got Papadopoulos, Bowles and Devere. I would say Devere and Papadopoulos are probably the two strongest players, but can one of those three, can two of those three find a way to get on the field with any regularity? Because as much as I love Luke Devere, I said this at the end of last season, his availability is a huge disappointment. It's very interesting because I'm not sure Devere is actually going to start this season. I think it might be Bowles, and if he's fit, Papadopoulos. Fair and enough. Starting at centre-back this year. And you're right, when you look at this defence, it is... I don't want to say it's the weak link, but it's the questionable... It's a question mark. It's a question mark in the squad, because there's a combination of players there with quality, who've had injury history, and younger players who haven't quite established themselves yet. So it's an interesting mix, but you're right. I mean, if Tavik can actually get on the field, I think he's one of the best centre-backs in the country, but he just hasn't been able to do it regularly enough in recent years. And that's why I do think Bowles probably does start regularly this season. Well, I 
honestly think like if if Luke Devere comes and plays well over the next few months, he needs to be in contention for the Asian Cup. So the other thing is, um, Bowles and Pepper have played a lot together in preseason. That might be because of injuries to other players, but they've played a lot together and they've done quite well. So I wouldn't be surprised if that may even become the starting partnership. Who knows? Well, that's actually the other thing that I wanted to mention with this. Jacob Pepper, I would say he's probably the fourth centre-back out of that group, but the way he adjusted to that last year deserves plenty of praise coming from a defensive midfielder and essentially getting thrown in an emergency. Yeah, look, I think that's uh, a credit to him that his sort of um, adaptability as far as um, sort of reinventing himself when when he was needed. And I think he, I think, you know, I think the nagging, I guess, question for a lot of raw fans at the moment is the durability of this survey. If, if, if Luke Devere and Avram Papadopoulos are fit and they can start on the pitch for most of the season, um, it's going to be a big boon for the side. But I think there's, a, I think you're going to find very few people that have that confidence that they're going to. So you're going to need the likes of Daniel Bowles. You're going to need the likes of Jacob Pepper. Maybe even Aaron Reardon. You he's know, capable too. To, yeah, he's capable to act uh, to cover that. Cause I think that might be the one area where I think if there's any doubts or any sort of chinks in the armour as far as the raw goes, it's going to be that centre-back. Yeah. And, you know, once again, I just want to say, like, Jacob Pepper... You know, he's done a fantastic job turning some of the vitriol that certain segments mm. of the fan base were sending his way into a, you know, very big, friendly hug. Yeah, he certainly reinvented himself exceptionally well as a centre-back last season. It was really the success story of the year for the Raw in a lot of ways. I mean, there weren't too many given the events of what happened, unfortunately, but Jacob Pepper was one of, if not the biggest success story, the way he was able to not just fill in at centre-back and do a good job, but he looked a very comfortable centre-back by the end as well. And I, and I remember thinking, you know, eventually... The more he plays, the more he might get found out, but he adapted really well, and if he has to play an extended role again this season, I've actually got faith that he will come in and do a job. And as mentioned, we've got the youngster Aaron Reardon. Now, we'll keep going <laughs> keep going on to the fullbacks. Uh, obviously, you've got Jack Hingett, who will be the undisputed starter at right back. No arguments about that. And then also, on the left side, Corey Brown's departed, and I'm thinking Conor O'Toole's going to get first crack at that. Yeah, look, I think Conor O'Toole probably. I think that's. I think that's where it was shaping at the end of last season, where, where I think barring um, injury, I think he he was. Um, actually, no, no, he was. No, he was I, right. I think was the left back at the end of last season. Yeah, but so did Conor O'Toole play centre back? He did play the last year when they had an absolute <laughs> no one left basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I think also as well, I envisage you know, Stefan Negro as more of a um, utility player. He can play He can play basically all along the uh, back line plus you know, in defensive midfield. So I think Conor O'Toole probably starts at left back. But uh, yeah, look, he's going like, to so have some stiff competition from Negro, who is proven. I certainly hope it's Conor O'Toole. I mentioned Pepper was a breakout player from last year. Conor O'Toole's the other one. I don't think we were all looking at it last year thinking if Corey Brown has an injury or form dips, what's going to happen because Conor O'Toole was untested. But he came in and was absolutely fantastic and he made that left-back spot his own. And I do genuinely hope he gets to keep that spot this year because he can really grow into that and keep pushing forward because I think he did really well last year. And just quietly, like, speaking of, you know, the questions over the depth of the centre-backs, the full-backs are actually quite a deep spot as well yeah. if, if they're not totally tested. But you've also got Dane Ingham as yeah. backup at right-back, even right-wing or left-back. So... It is a play- Here's another player that I'll be interested to see how much he actually gets a run this season and what exactly what role John Alwesi has him in. It's interesting because the Royal website lists him as a forward. So so he could be pushing forward a little bit <laughs> this know. year. Well, yeah. we've seen that happen before as well. I remember, I think it was the 13-14 season where we actually saw Franich starting at right wing and Jack Hingett at right back and then eventually that would change as the game went on. Anyway, let's move on to the midfield, shall we? 
We've got Ramadic Bari, Bryce Bafford, Joe Barnett, Joe Coletti, Brett Holman, Thomas Christensen, Alex Lopez, Stefan Mork, Matt Mackay, and Adam Sawyer. Now, in the raw system, I'd say they tend to run with three central midfielders, and just looking at that, right off the bat, That's they've nine, got... nine, isn't it? They've got, yeah, they've got nine, and I would say five guys that, if they were starting on Sunday, I would not be at all surprised by it. Yeah, well, you're mentioning excluding Holman from that five, or... Uh, I can count six guys there that I wouldn't be surprised they played. No, that is six. I just can't count. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah, you're right. The roar of I don't say overburdened, but they've got an absolute luxury of options here, and they're all quite they're all different in a way as well, which is encouraging. I think the one thing maybe Alusi realised last year when when Christensen and Holman went out of the side last year, they really struggled. So I think they've brought in Lopez and Mork perhaps to buffer against that. If they don't go down again, I think Holman's out for round one anyway. So having if they go down again for a lengthy period of time, you've got quality options now to bring in, so you're not not struggling in that area. Yeah, depth. You... I think that's it's smart to have that sort of depth there because it's a, an absolute luxury of options. I mean, Coletti might be fifth or sixth choice, and what a year ago we were thinking it's going to be a big breakout year for him, yeah. kicking on into the first team. That didn't quite happen for him. So to yeah. have him as a depth option is a tremendous luxury. I think what intrigues me about the midfield sort of um, core here is that you know there's so many different permutations that you can have. Like you love, like you could go have Christensen and uh, Lopez as sort of two almost screening midfields ahead of say Mork or Holman, yeah. whereas then you can have you have sort of wide options that you know obviously Mackay might yeah. you know head back to to left sort of left side. Um, look, Joe Coletti's there in the mix as well, so. And even, even like a wild card, like say Ramad Akbari, you know, look, it's... Brenton uh, Speed's favourite raw player. Yeah, he was. So look, I, I think it might it may even turn out to be, you know, potentially a horses for courses sort of approach, where, you know, in some games, depending on the opposition, you can you can do, you can can change the shape of the midfield to suit the way of play and to counter the opposition. So I think um, Aloisi might have some um, options there. Well, speaking of change in the midfield, it seemed like a change in the FFA Cup with Christensen more central, more slightly to the right, pushing forward Mackay to the left, which is back to what the Raw have done in years past when they've been more successful, which I personally prefer anyway, having one holder and two pushing further forward. I think if they go back to something more like that, a more traditional 4-3-3, where you've got more bodies pushing forward, that actually might suit this group even more. If yeah. Christensen can hold up over the course of the season, he can do that defensive job. You don't need anyone next to him necessarily to do that. You can let let Mackay and Mork or Holman or whoever else run free a bit more. It's a selection headache I'm glad I don't have to deal with, but... We don't even know how Lopez fits into that equation. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen him play. He might be more holding, he might be... From what I can gather, like he seems to be coming across as more of a box-to-box type midfielder, so he could be similar to that sort of mould of you know the Matt Mackay, the Joe Coletti... The, well, that's pretty much just... Like that up and down box. You know, maybe he won't <laughs> score too many goals, but I can see him setting up quite a few. The other thing about Lopez is I think people, a lot of people are a bit quick now to say, oh, Lopez is in means Matt Mackay is going to drop out of the lineup and out of the squad. I think we need to just wait. We need to see, can we get to see Lopez play first? Because people had similar thoughts about Hervas when he came and that didn't happen. So can we get to see, oh, see Lopez arrive and play and fit into the side and then work out where he plays? Because I don't necessarily yeah. think it was brought in as a replacement for any one individual. I think it's more complementing the group. And also, this is assuming that all of these signings are going to work out yeah. the way they do it. I think uh, we've been football fans long enough to know that maybe, you know, some of these signings might not go to plan. But again, that's the joy of having these players available where, you know, if one of them doesn't work out the way we might think or one of the, yeah. you know, holdover players can't quite get on the field, it's not as though that they're... Uh, it's not as though they're out of options. It wasn't a case of a plan A and only plan A. And playing in the heat and humidity of the Queensland summer 
affects a lot of the Southern teams. So to have midfielders who you can interchange and really run the game out, I think is a big benefit for the Raw looking ahead to if they've got to try and chase the game in the last 20 minutes. If you can bring on quality fresh legs in the middle of the park, that can that could make the difference for you. And two uh, lingering th- thoughts as well. Matt Mackay, he's going to be starting. He's a club captain. I can't see any way that they... He's starting take... to start the season, then we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think uh, it would take a big call to drop in, yeah. especially knowing what he means to you know, the Brisbane Raw. It's got to happen at some stage, though. And second, it might all, be the season that you start phasing him out, like with Broich a couple of years ago. Yeah, you might. It might be the time to start gradually phasing him, not not drop permanently, maybe bench him one week, bring him back, that sort of thing. It might be that time. We'll have to wait and see what happens with the rest of the midfield mix. That's it, and it is also worth mentioning uh, Nick Darvenzia on Twitter. I'm apologising if I got that wrong. Uh, he covers uh, rugby, I think, for Green and Gold Rugby, and does a lot of the GPS school sports coverage here. Uh, he also said that uh, Matt Mackay is going to be coaching the Brisbane Grammar School first eleven. So, uh, as a BBC boy, I hope he doesn't go well. <laughs> it might, it might be, it might be one of those things where you know, sort of, I guess, you know, life after football, almost, you know, get, get back to the game. I, Oh, I went yeah. too much into it. I, 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 oh, I, just I, I know, a trivia night. Oh no, no, no! I think no, but you, no, you're right. But a lot of people might mis, might interpret that as oh, he's on his way out. I, I just don't think that at all. I think it's just a case of he's giving back to the community, you know. Yeah. And, and I probably wouldn't read too much. And yeah. but also as well, it might be a sign that yeah. you know life life after playing for Matt McKay might be coaching. Too many people have been quick this whole season to write Matt McKay off, say he's finished. This is his last year, etc. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think he's also done some coaching with QAS before in the past, so it's not you're not off the first time he's done this. Yeah, so, so maybe he is looking for a career path in coaching. Absolutely. Well, yeah, it's just something interesting. I thought we'll be mm. see how the season unfolds because obviously GPS football doesn't start for quite a while yet, anyway. So that could just be a bit of an off-season project for him. It be might might be that instead of uh, playing the NPL. It's, yeah, who knows? We'll see. All right, so we're going to move on to the forwards now because uh, just realising how long this first segment is going. <coughs> so we'll keep it going. Um, Bortiak, uh, Shannon Brady, Nick D'Agostino, Enrique. Daniel Leck, Tobias Mickelson, Adam Taggart, and Dylan Wenzel-Halls. It seems like there's a very clear line between the established veterans and the up-and-coming youngsters who are going to be trying to push for playing time yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, there is. Oh, so go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, look, to, to me right now, I think there's a clear stand out on who the front three is. It will be, it'll be Mickelson, it'll, Mickelson on the right, it will be Taggart in the middle, and it'll be Bortiak on the left, I think. I think that's, and I think that's, I think John Lewis will be banking on that for a lot of the season. Um, that will be the case. Obviously, you got Enrique that can come off the bench or even slot in somewhere there, which would be a good sort of backup. But after that, it does start to thin out a little bit as far as, you know, experience go anyway. The talent is certainly there, but, um, yeah, you wouldn't, yeah, you want to be, you want to be relying on the, the three or four mentioned plus Enrique. To steal your thunder from the run sheet. It's a big year for Brady and D'Agostino. They're no longer the young players in their position anymore. Leck is the young winger in the squad, and Wenzel Halls is the young striker. It's, those two now need to really start pushing on, because they've had they've been in the squad for now a couple of years. They've both had chances. D'Agostino probably more than more so than Brady, but they need to step up this year and really cement themselves in that matchday squad if possible, because they've been in the squad for a while now. It's, they need, really do need to take that next step in in their development yeah. if they can. Totally, yeah. totally agree with that. I do think that. The only thing that could potentially be working against them, though, is if the established names do perform, they may not have a chance Absolutely, to see the field. Like, yeah. oh, we obviously want <laughs> the best for them, but if they're not getting on the field because Adam Taggart's banging in two goals a week, then so and, be it. And Dylan's played a lot in the 
preseason as well up front, and Daniel Leck was played in the FFA Cup game off the bench. So those two young players are in the mix as well. It's not like they're... I don't think it's a clear line. I think it'll actually be a case of with those four players, form will dictate which one of them gets the opportunity. I don't think it's going to be a case of and just guys are senior players. So. And just... I know he doesn't like the role of um, super sub, but that suits Enrique perfectly. Hmm. Look, just uh, just one thing on uh, Dylan Wenzel Halls as well. I think um, I think fans, even though he was scoring for fun in the NPR, I think they just need to sort of temper their expectations of him. I think, you know, he's, he's it's if I don't think he, at the moment he'd be you know, he could score as freely as he did in even forget even forgets the opportunity. I think I even got view it as a sort of a long term project with him. You know, as far as you know, getting experience around the, the top team at professional level, and then you know, go from there. But I think. People are very quick to think, you know, that he may continue his goal scoring on from NPL. Three words. Patience, Kenny, Athew. Yep, that's exactly what I was going to say. King Kenny is the blueprint yep. here of players coming from the NPL. It's a building year for Dylan. It's yep. learning the daily grind of being a professional footballer, training. It's And if he gives you anything on the field, it's a bonus. But I think I actually think he might start the season in the first-team squad, then drop back down into the National Youth League team. Yeah, uh, but that's the thing. Like, it's just... I remember there were plenty of people from the Victory uh, fan base that were calling for Athu to be starting and getting more game time early on last season, but they had a plan, they were patient, and it does seem like it's really going to pay off long-term, where he's going to be a lot more involved now, and I feel like that's the right approach to take with Wenzel Halls, where you've got to give him game time, but... You don't want to force him in there unless you absolutely have what to. What Victory did with King Kenny, they played him a bit at the start because of the hype and to give him a taste of it, and they withdrew him for about six months. Yeah. And people wondered, well, where is he? Is he going back to Heidelberg? Is he still at Victory? But no, he was training hard every day, working on his game, working on his fitness and his strength, and he came back towards the end of that season through their Champions League campaign and looked really good. And he had to continue that in the FFA Cup for them, so... That's it. All right, so we're going to go on to the coaching staff now. John Aloisi, uh, year four now? Mm-hmm. Pressure is on to deliver a trophy, plain and simple. Longest tenured coach for the Raw. Yeah, it's it is time to deliver a trophy. It's there's there's no more excuses really. I mean, you've got the training base you required, you've got the players you wanted. It's a stable off season. It's the first time he's been here. There's not been any off field dramas for us to discuss. Which Late is, signings, yeah, or... which is even just trouble in the front office with all the rest of that stuff that's gone on. None of that happened this off season. And it's the kids been, look good been, too. It's been a smooth, smooth sailing at, at the Raw this preseason. All the players have been here for a while. It's it is time to deliver. Yeah. No more excuses for Aloisi. I think he he has the squad, he has the training base, he has everything going his way. He's had all, they've almost had a perfect preseason. Um, look, if they if they are two wins in Christmas, oh, you know, he, he probably should be gone. I think it's I think it's and now I hope I hope not I hope the rule do well but that's that's the reality is is that everything's gone as way there are no more excuses I don't want to start calling for coach said because I think it's hmm. not appropriate but it is time to deliver and I don't think John would be shy away from that either I think he yeah. he would realize and accept it's time to to um realize that potential that he has as a coach and his team has to finish minimum in the top top 3 or 4 teams and hopefully push for that silverware and I do this want, group's more yeah. than capable of doing it. I do want to finish off like, uh, with this, just going back about a month to that preseason friendly they had at uh, Penn Power, where like they won, but Aloisi wasn't happy. So I think he's going in with yeah. the expectation of this being one of the strongest sides in the competition. So That's it, a good sign yeah. then, because he's obviously set very high standards in his mind then that day. Obviously, they weren't quite... No, I, don't think, I don't think he's been that happy with a lot of these... Um, 
when I say not happy, I don't think he's been fully sort of accepting of, you know, oh, we'll just draw. You know, like I said, a lot, a lot of draws. I think he wants more, the Korean chances, and it'll click eventually, but I think I think he expects more. But like I said, I think the fan base expects more of him as well, and the side. Yeah, this is a fan base that has become used to success yeah. over the last years, and rightfully it so. Actually, like, remember season one yeah. of his uh, tenure where they were going for the Premier's plate on the final day. Mm. It goes back to my old argument, standards and expectations. Is Brisbane still a big club in the A-League? Because yeah. they are a big club by A-League standards, and last year was a failure, not good enough. Then you've got to bounce back this year the same way other big clubs have in the past. That's it. All right, we're going to touch on that a little bit more later on when we're talking about our season predictions, but right now, we're going to take a bit of a break, and then you guys had a chance to talk to Jamie Young on the weekend, didn't you? We did. While one of us was uh, occupied doing something very, very stupid. Congratulations on the Melbourne Marathon, yeah. by the way. Thank you. I didn't know if I made it obvious enough wearing the T-shirt. <laughs> right, we'll Audio-visual, audio-medium. Yeah. James, yeah. people can't see that at home. That's right. All right, we'll be back after this. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. We're joined now by the Brisbane Royal Golf with Jamie Young. Jamie, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me, guys. Brilliant uh, to be here. So it's a week out now from the new season. Are you looking forward to it? Much looking forward to it, surely. Yeah, absolutely. The, we had 19 weeks or so of pre-season. Um, and so you, you want that fitness and, and that training to, to go towards something. And so now with the season here, very much looking forward to it. The boys buzzing for new season. How's the mood in the camp? Very positive. Like, you know, like I said, we've been training hard and, and now we're, we're motivated to sort of put that into competition. So I think the, the mood in the camp is very buoyant and, and optimistic. you got a lot of new faces this year in the Marks team. How are they settling in? Guys like Mickelson, Lopez, etc. I think they're settling in well. I think a very big reason for that is the culture we have in the playing group um, and the club in general that the managers sort of employ um, or, you know, sort of advocated for. Um, so there's always been generally a, a, a tight, um, a positive culture. So that for, for those guys, it makes that transition from coming from a, a European uh, country to, to here, and that transition's a little bit easier as a result. How about a couple of these Australian guys like Mork and um, Taggart? How are they settling in? Yeah, good guys. I mean, we all know them from playing against them and through the traps of A-League football. Um, they both have European experience as well, but, but just very good guys, very, very good human beings. Um, and they're, they're certainly adding a lot of value to the club, you know, very motivated individuals. You know, I think, I think they're, great, they're great additions to our team. Yeah, last year wasn't the greatest season by Brisbane Wall Stands. How desperate is the playing group and yourself to put that right this year? I don't think we're desperate because I think that would be a negative connotation. I think we're feeling optimistic in our abilities, but at the same point, we don't want to place expectation on ourselves because um, there are other teams who equally want to be up there. Just because we want to be number one doesn't mean we have a right to be there. So I think what we what we need to do and what's important is to is to focus on on our uh, ourselves and performing every day and taking that performance every day into into competition. So I, I think uh, I think we're we're very passionate about performing well this year and, and, and doing well but I don't think we're desperate to do that you mentioned a long pre-season what have you got out of it in terms of getting together any changes to the way you play uh, I think there'll be little uh, nuances um, of differences based on the personnel we have but you know our structures and the way we like to play are similar um, so you know from a pre-season point of view you want to obviously get team cohesion both 
on and off the field. You want to develop a fitness base um, and reduce the amount of injuries that you have. So I think there's a lot of boxes that we tick. We've also played some good A-League um, opposition as well. So there's a lot of positives to take from this pre-season. Unbeaten against a number of A-League opposition. That must be encouraging for you as well, as you mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. And we've had a good look at some. And, you know, I think we'll be strong. Uh, we're going to definitely give it a good go. I think... Uh, you know, there's a lot of cohesiveness within our club, within our team, and you know we're we're, we're up for it this year. Reflecting back on the FFA Cup game, obviously another loss, unfortunately, but there must be a lot of positive to take out of that performance because you played quite well on that night. I think we did, yeah, we did. I mean, every game that we've played, we've we've created a lot of opportunities. Unfortunately, we lost that to that one from a great strike in extra time. But uh, you know, I think that's well and truly a long gone result of about ten weeks ago. Uh, so. Yeah, I think for, for the most part, we're feeling positive about our season uh, going into Central Coast. Looking back to last season, your own form was spectacular. What do you put that down to? Uh, well, you know, it was good to obviously play games. Um, and I think it's just, it's the result or the product of, of coming in and working hard and just being honest about my game in terms of where I think I can improve. Um, and, and, and you know executing that on a daily basis you know I, I think I spend more hours watching video um, or in the gym than I do actually playing you know so very much a thinking goalkeeper and, um, you know I, I, I'm a very motivated person to to play as best as I can whether it's you know uh, run a game or one game so it's not just about doing things for accolades it's just about doing things on a daily basis that's your, your daily habits they're, they're the important things that take you um, along in life you mentioned accolades you did take home the Gary Wilkins medal for player of the year what did that mean for you? <sighs> massive you know I, you know I, I certainly didn't try and get that uh, obviously that sort of achievement it just sort of happened and um, you know it, it's, I can say I'm part of Brisbane Royal history part of Australian football history and that means a lot um, but it's not something that I would ever less rest my laurels on. So I, you know, the way I, I come and train now, I, it's, that's long forgotten. But it's nice to obviously be, you know, acknowledged in, in those feats along with some of the, the illustrious players that have won it in the past. Now, we spoke to the last Gary Rook medalist 12 months ago, Corey Brown. He left to Melbourne. You're not going to do the same end of the year, are you? Well, as someone once said, <laughs> correlation isn't causation. So, uh, know Corey's path is, is different to mine and um, that's it has nothing to do with me just uh, checking yeah just checking. <laughs> well you know if you, if you only win on rainy days doesn't mean you yeah. can't win on sunny days so Absolutely. Uh, you know I'm very much motivated to, to, to play my best you know I'm very lucky in my life to be honest Scott that I'm you know I'm happy in my life and, and you know coming and playing football here for my fifth season you know, it's, it's awesome. I'm living, the, I'm living the dream in that sense. You mentioned this is your fifth season. It's also the first time there's been a change in the goalkeeper ranks since you've been here. Michael Theo's gone. What's that going to be? What's been that been like for you to not have him around? It's a good question. Um, you know, obviously he's got a great presence and um, you know, good mindset, a good club man um, around around the changing rooms and the club in general. So you know, from that point of view, it's it's different because you know he's around and he's very bubbly always. So, we, I, you know, I miss that banter with him. I do. He's a really good fella. He's a really good guy. Um, 
and but as is the way in football, things change so quickly, you know. And you know, you look at someone like Peter Cech, who's been doing well for Arsenal, and now all of a sudden they've got Leno, who is you know competing. So things change. You know, football is a high turnover rate of, of playing staff, and that's just part and parcel of the game. A couple of the young goalkeepers at the club now, Brendan White, Macklin, Frank. Have you taken more of a mentorship role with those guys, or? Um, yes and no. I think it, it's nice to pass down the things that I've learned. Mm-hmm. But also, it's not really about me teaching them. They've got to find their own ways in, in their footballing careers as well. And, and you know, I, I try and ch- treat them like adults because I've been in their positions before where you, you are trying to work out uh, the footballing landscape or your working landscape and you want to get to that top of the, the slippery slope. Um, so, you know, if they want to ask me things, I'm more than happy to say to them. But oh, it's not really my role to to try and change anything but if I see something I'll, I'll make a comment Generally though there's been a lot of um, experienced players leave the club this year is that have you taken more of a leadership role in the team generally then because of guys like Jade North or less Theo etc over the off season Yeah um, not actively mm-hmm. I think the more I think about uh, you know I've had several people ask me that and, and the more I think about our group in terms of um, leadership mm-hmm. uh, I don't think I mean that we've got good leaders in good areas in good areas, you know, and so you don't, you don't have to have one leader that is going to drive something. And, and leaders, you know, come in different shapes and forms. You can have leaders who who have are socially uh, driven, so you know they'll get the guys together to go and have a coffee together because that that's improves t- uh, um, uh, cohesion. You can get guys on the team who who um, ex- live by example on, on on the pitch, like a Stephen Mork, and I think I probably fit that mold more. Um, but also as a goalkeeper you, you do have to have that presence and so communication is important and, and how you speak with people are very important too Obviously the team goals this year is to lift a couple of trophies in May what, did you have any personal goals in addition to that for the season? Or? Good question um, I think my, my my own only goal is to is to give the best that I can yeah. it really is because I think if I do that it takes away the expectation of winning a trophy mm-hmm. and it it reinforces the habits that embody successful behaviour I feel so you know what happens if I don't win a trophy yeah. what then have I failed no. I think uh, I think the important thing to do is, is really to focus on doing the things as best as I can and, and I think as a you know true champions they, they have bad days just like anybody but I listen to Joe Rogan quite a lot and he said you know you know the best champion, the best champions, or the most effect, uh, successful people, when they when they're not feeling well, they turn up. They just turn up and they and they give their best. So for me, I think it is about coming in and giving my best and, and challenging myself continuously. It's really important to challenge yourself in the sporting environment or in life. And so I, I do adopt that approach. Last question: You become a bit of a fan favorite of your time inside Suncorp Stadium. Do you have any message to the fans ahead of the new season? Yeah, um, yeah. Get behind us. You know. Uh, I think, firstly, getting older myself, I I I'm, I appreciate more now the people who come to our games and they have in my footballing career because they give their time up, they pay their money, they are the lifeblood of the, the club, and we want people behind our club who who have a you know you can go to an office, no one's turning up to cheer you on typing words into your word document, and so for me, when people turn up and cheer your name, it means a hell of a lot. Um, or even negative comments the fact is people give their attention to you 
and uh, for me it means a hell of a lot so for me acknowledgement of the fans is first and foremost get behind us yeah. football is a great sport in this country and I think the more people come the better the game is going to be the better the experience for the fans is going to be so really get behind us and we are appreciative more so now um, than ever before thanks very much and good luck this season my pleasure guys thanks for You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back to the Brisbane Football Review season preview for the A-League. It's James Scott and Adam with you. Guys, good interview with Jamie Young. Yes, thank you. Well, I can't take all the crowd. I just hold the <laughs> microphone. That <laughs> no, was so, good. Thanks no. Thanks to Brisbane Roar and Jamie Young for that interview. It was really good. Yeah. yeah. So, so you all dream of a team of Jamie Youngs? That's the song, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, looking forward to seeing how that all unfolds this year. Right now, though, uh, we're going to do a quick whip around of the A-League and just quick talk about the competition, what we're expecting from them. Uh, we'll try and keep it quick because we know we're already starting to yeah. drag on a little bit. We're going to start off with Adelaide United. Um, last season, fifth, eliminated in finals week one by Melbourne Victory, and they are finalists in the FFA Cup. And I have no idea when the FFA Cup final is. Who really? It's um, three weeks from now. Yeah. So it's an international break, I believe. There we go. We saw them uh, up close and in person when they took on Lions FC in the FFA Cup, and I think even the comments from their coach that night, Marco Kurz, were he wasn't overly impressed, was he? No. No, he said like they had a lot to improve on. Yeah, and look. it's it's yeah, they it's very hard to know where they're sort of they're at at the moment. Obviously, cup run aside, um, and, they, and they've been doing it against they've been doing it against fed, member federation clubs. So to see them actually line up against an A league A league club, you know, and see where they're at, it's very, very hard. Like the signings, um, I said the I guess the signs. Well, I think Mirko Bowl might be the the one as far as the you know, the the big signing. Um, but other than that, and, and obviously Craig Goodwin as well. Um, but other Goodwin's than that, a big one. yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to know where they're at at the moment. And look, it might be a, I guess a wait and see thing with them. Yeah. They just don't score enough goals. They only scored 36 last year, which is the third lowest in the competition. Ryan Kiddo is actually their top goal scorer with seven. I don't think you're going to get seven goals out of Ryan Kiddo again. And after that, it was Absalons and Adlung. They were the next best and they're both gone. So goals is their issue. I mean, Baba Diawara, has not delivered. Oh. He just has not delivered the goals up front for them. And if he doesn't deliver them this year, I don't know where the goals come from for Adelaide United. Because there's stats that show you that to win the Premier's plate, you've got to score 40 goals in a season and concede less than 30. Nine of the last, seven of the last nine Premiers have done that to win the league. So, And no team who's done that hasn't won a trophy. So that's it's a pretty good guide. So they've got to score more goals. And I don't know where they're going to come from for Adelaide United if Diawara doesn't, doesn't score them. They do think they're going to be quite solid at the back, though. They've got uh, Mikael Jakobsen yep. from Melbourne City, who I... Good replacement for... Yeah, um, I thoroughly disliked him at Melbourne City, but that was just because he always seemed to have very good games against the Raw. So yep. there, there is that. Uh, and Craig Goodwin's back as well, so that yep. could be... That's... He, can't, he can't score for 30 yards every week. Hmm. No, but he, he can't set Mark them up. loves him, he's not going to do it every week. That's it. If he does, he won't be here in January anyway, because I'm going to buy him. <laughs> Adelaide to me seemed like a boom or bust club. Like yeah. they could be, they could be contending for a top four spot, or they could be, you know, they're well organised, they're yeah. well drilled, they're well coached. I just don't know if they've got enough goals in them. Yeah. Yep. If they've got, if they can score the goals, they'll be highly competitive. If not, they might just fall short. I, I wouldn't write them off, but at the moment, it's very, very hard to know where they line up. And I yeah. think it's been one of those ones where you're right. They could, they could be, you know, challenge top four. They could be, you know, 
fine for a wooden spoon. It just it, we just don't know at this stage. Speaking of the wooden spoon, let's move on to the Central Coast Lightning Bolts. I mean, um, <laughs> speaking of teams who didn't score many goals last year because they were the least Ooh. with twenty eight, but they've addressed that really well with Ross McCormack and Tommy Orr. That's two mm. very good additions to their yes. front third. And they have had uh, they had a pretty successful preseason overall. Scott, what, what with Bolt playing, or you you're talking about, or what? Well. In, in in the run sheet, I was trying to tee you up for that. They've uh, played eight, won six, drawn one, and that. lost one. I should read that. Oh, sorry, I thought you had that printed. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> it's a thoroughly professional operation here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, last season they were the wooden spooners, courtesy of that final day thrashing. But yep. it, it's been a bit better since then. It has, and they've got a completely overhauled squad now under Mike Mulvey. They've brought in a couple of guys from around the league. As usual with Central Coast, a lot of young players. And what I like is they've got players from the NPL set up Guys like Matt Miller from South Melbourne, Josh McDonald, Jordan Murray. They've given guys a chance from that second year who've excelled. So hopefully they go quite well for them. But it's a it's a younger squad. The one question mark I have over them, because the front row looks quite good now with Ross McCormack. My question, and Aiden O'Neill in midfield strengthens that, but defensively I have questions. Is Khalifa Cissé the centre-back who can shore up that side? I'm not quite sure. I think they might need just a little bit more strengthening at the back. Because I think they'll score some goals this year. I just... Think they'll concede a bunch. And we talk about the Mike Mulvey factor. Obviously, we remember him from his time with the Raw. Yeah. They were a pretty free-scoring side in, when he was here as well. It looks like it's a side almost that in sort of the mould of that um, of that Raw side. You now that where they won the championship. Um, look, Ross McCormack uh, from from early sort of empirical evidence, he's going to make a big difference. Um, just just obviously on reputation, even in that in that game against um, MacArthur West. Yeah. Southwest Sydney, yeah. where it is. Uh, twelve goals last year for Melbourne City. Yeah, yeah, like from, yeah, yeah. In so half a season, so. Yeah, well, so he'll he'll make it. He'll make a difference. Um, yeah, but I look. I agree with you guys. Defensively, they're, you know, Khalifa Cisse and you know, Jonathan Aspro slash you know, Jack Clisby in there. Look, I don't know if it's enough to and Matt, Matt Miller as well. I don't know if it's enough to sort of against mm. the league's best attacks. But you know, it, again, it might be a lot of fun watching him. They've always got guys who's the last chance from a lot of ways. Guys like Clisby's had two or three clubs. Um, Icebro's on his second club. This might be their last chance to make it regularly in the A-League now. And to be fair, a traffic cone would have been an improvement on Astrobal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and the other big question surrounding Central Coast, no. Moving on to He's Melbourne gone, City. He? <laughs> He's gone, isn't he? Going. The great sprinter is gone, isn't he? I, I was oh, just trying way. to keep it simple, simple but yeah. yes. He's gone. He's by the sounds of things, yes. So that's all I really want to say about yeah. that. Let's move on to Melbourne City. Um, this is another one of those clubs that really is under pressure yeah. to perform this year. They are, and I think they're going to deliver. I think they've Warren Joyce now has the squad he wants. I think he figured it out last year the way he got rid of a lot of Deadwood out of that squad players who were just too inconsistent. Some of those guys, there, they were good players, but they were not delivering on a consistent basis, and he's completely changed it. My only question is, are they an attacker short? Because I can't see the obvious replacement if Fornaroli gets injured. I mean, and also they've got O'Halloran out now for a few weeks, which leaves just Lockie Wales, Dario Vitasic, and um, the Frenchman Florin Berenga, I believe he has pronounced it, as attacking players. So maybe they're a little bit short, but in terms of quality, they're a super side. And the spine of the team now is really strong with Birigidi. They've got um, the defender, his name escapes me, the international they had last year. Um. Bart Schenkenveld. Bart Schenkenveld. And they have um, Bratton and Ross and Griffiths a good pick-up in midfield and Fornaroli up front. So the spine of the side is very strong for them. It's just the front third. Is there enough goals there? And also uh, Richard DeLate as yes. well, who can play almost anywhere. And he's he's getting a big pick-up as well. So. And also, I'm just going to mention this every time, the only player to be promoted and win the Premier League in the same day. He did. Yes. 
It's a, but, uh, yeah, look on, on Melbourne City, but uh, look, I think um, I agree um, that they probably are. They maybe want to take a short, but um, they got some young uh, guys they could bring in there as well. We just may yeah, not have seen yet. But I think they're banking on Bruno Fornaroli to be yep. you know to be the man. You now we saw we saw that in in action um, up at Dolphin Stadium in the FA Cup. But yeah, here's the difference. Well, following on from that, like they do have a couple of those players that if they're mired in a nil-nil draw, can just produce that one special mm. moment, like yeah. we saw at Dolphin yeah. Stadium, where it was a pretty. It was a game that pretty much dissolved into a let's just get this over and done with. And then Fornaroli said, stuff it, I want to go home. Yes, and he hit a phenomenal volley. He did. And also, um, I, he didn't play up here in the Cup. but He's played a lot in their preseason games behind closed doors. Florin Beringer has apparently been out of this yeah. world in terms of form. So, a club's talking up one of their signings in preseason. I never would have thought... I, he's <laughs> had a big hand in some of their results. So Cool. According to more reports, he's up and flying, so... That's, if he is, that's a good pick-up for them. Definitely. All right, we're going to move on to the defending champions now, Melbourne Victory. Uh, oh. Or as I prefer to call them, Brisbane Raw B. <laughs> uh, obviously, they've uh, signed Corey Brown from the Raw, but they've also actually done some pretty good recruiting as well with some of their internationals, starting with KSK <laughs> Honda. Uh, these guys have a really good way of landing on their feet. Now, you, you would have thought, well, if they've, they've just won the pressure, they've lost Barisha, Leroy George, and... Um, Reese Williams. I thought, okay, well, that's that's three huge losses, but I don't, I don't think they're going to feel them at all with the additions of Niedermeyer, Toyovan, and Honda. Yeah, they've to- probably improved, which is a scary thought, given the quality those three players who left had. These three are probably better. I actually think Toyovan is going to have the biggest impact for them. Yeah, uh, I actually think, uh, well, that combination of Toyovan and Honda. I think that, and I, I even think, and if anything, they'll also make the likes of Costa Barbarossa's a better player. Um, look, Melbourne Victory, I think, you know, in their, in their championship defence, they uh, look formidable. If if everyone stays together on the pitch, you know, yeah, I, I can't see too many. I think Niedermeyer is going to be a very, very good good pick up at the back. Um, yeah, I think, I think yeah, the, the defence is on, I think. The only thing about Toivonen is he spent all all his career playing in Europe, and we've seen players come from Europe to Australia, the hardness of the pitch and all the rest of it. It sounds ridiculous, but it has caused problems for players in the past. Maybe that might be an issue again, fingers crossed, because there's not many weaknesses there. Other than yeah. depth, the first 15-16 is really strong, but does drop away quite quickly after that, which could come back and bite them when the Champions League campaign comes off. We said that about victory last season as well, that we thought that their, their depth would, well, would It did cost them. them in the regular season. Yeah. They only finished fourth, so... Yeah, and I do think that it is a real case of them not resting on their laurels and deciding to go forward. They're more than capable. Even if they don't win the Premier's plate, they're more than capable of going on the road and winning it again. Absolutely. All right, last season's surprise packets, Newcastle Jets. Is it going to be a case of uh, se- second-year slump for any Merrick? I think that'll be the narrative early on because I think they'll start slowly. They might, they're playing well this week. They might even lose that game because O'Donovan is out injured. Adam's favourite player is suspended. Um, Adam's favourite player, Joey Champs, is, is injured as well. So that's two players out of the front third they're missing. So they've, and they've brought a lot of players in late. And they're, they're not really... Um, they're not names who, like you would look at and think that's a big signing, but... They're really system players. I think Matt Ryden is actually a good pick up for them. This is a side, in the midfield role. This is a side for me that, like, you look around the league and there's a lot of teams that improved. They haven't. They're also a known quantity. <laughs> Last year they were kind of able to sneak in under the radar. People weren't expecting them. This year, no, people yeah. know who they are now. Oh, well, they will hopefully have Rodrigo. Yeah. Uh, um, Ronald Ron, Vargas. Ronald Vargas. Yeah, in for a whole season this year. Yeah, I think also as well. I think the big, the big, ex- they're, I think they're. 
success this season based on how will Demi Petratos back up? You know, he's he's now the man as far as you know, they've got the big long extension, which last time that happened um, at Raw, his form dipped off. So I don't I, I wonder whether he's learnt from that and his performance will be. But also as well, they've uh, going with uh, the Brazilian striker Jero Eduardo as well. We don't know if he fires, they could be going all right. But you know, like I said, you work at Turkey in the Great Unknown, unfortunately. Mm. That's it. Well, they also got to concede a few less goals as well. Yeah, they, so. were, they can see it's highly entertaining last year. A lot of high-scoring games. I don't think they're going to be able to get away with that this year. All right, so this is a uh, side that I don't know if you can necessarily call them a dark horse coming up, but mm. we'll find. Especially if everyone's picking them to do well. But Perth Glory, big question is the Popovich yeah. impact. Yeah. What's that going to ha- What's that going to do for the Glory? Well, they're not flying under the radar. They're firmly right there with Melbourne Victory in most people's eyes in terms of on the radar because. Popovich is a huge impact, and it actually is a really massive, massive um, signing for them because last year they just conceded too many goals. They were the most conceded the second most goals last year, and look, I think 103 goals total yeah. between the last two seasons. Yeah. They've they conceded way too many goals, but they've, the defensive options now are ridiculous. You've got Franich, Marcellus, Branovic, Davidson, Lowry, Neville, Julbich, Grant, and Walter Scott. That's probably too many defenders, but it's a tremendous amount of options. And Popovich, as we know, is a systems coach who. Defensive organisation and structures, I think that's going to shore right up. And with Keogh and Castro up front, they've always had the ability to score goals. So if they've now got the defence right, they might be a genuine contender for the first time. We'll just see if Diego Castro does it's his defensive duty. It's duty-ing. a very typical um, Tony Popovich team built on defence. Um, it, it is the it is on paper the best back back four in the league. And like I said, if they can get their road form even up to scratch, like their home form is going to be vital, but if they can win some games on the road based on that defence, like they're going to be in it a long way. I know I've been stat heavy in this preview, James, but last Watch year... for me. Last year they played 14 road games, won three, drawn two, lost nine. They had five wins away in the last two seasons, which is only the Central Coast and have had less. So their home, their home form's been fine. It's on the road. They just they have not been consistent yep. enough. And if they can rectify that slightly, concede a few less goals, they might be right up there this year. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we're also, gonna... if Castro tracks back to your point, yes. Right. If he does not, he might find himself on the bench. Actually, <laughs> that is a long running. Popovich joke is on not going to put up with that. That's the one thing you can be sure. He's not going to. He's shown in the past players who don't track back and do the defensive jobs find themselves out the team quick sharp. Well, uh, Adam Castro was here earlier in pre-season. Sorry, James. He got here earlier this year than he has in the past under Kenny Lowe, which I think is indicative of the fact that he's been made to work harder. Somehow, I don't think uh, Popovich would have let him show up. All that late. Exactly. Anyway, uh, we're going to move on to Sydney FC, the premiers and I would say the dominant force in the league over the last couple of years. Uh, they've, <laughs> I thought they were going to really struggle this year with the departure of Graham, Graham Arnold, but instead they've actually done quite a good job offsetting a lot of their losses. Well, they might because the player who offset a lot of the losses in the front of Trent Bahage is out for the season with an injury. And he scored four goals in the FFA Cup, eight goals all up in pre-season. And I think a lot of the attacking plan was built around him and his pace running in behind. And if he's not there now, I don't see where they replace that in the squad because Locker Lingoy, I don't think he's up to that. Alex Brosk, I think, had been penciled in as a Enrique super sub type role. So I don't I don't see where they can oh, replace Bahaja. It's a huge loss for them right on the verge of the season. I must have missed that because that's... Yeah, Came I, out I, Monday, he's done his ACL. Yeah, that's a huge blow for, for the Sky Blues. I think you're right. I think it's it. I, I think sort of on paper, you know, they've... they've they, because the question was how they replaced Babo, how they replaced Mizierski. Um Look, Cindy Young and um, Adam, Lafondre. Adam Lafondre, I think, are very, very 
capable replacements. They may not be the freshest. Fresh is on the fonder now, though. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think, yeah. So, you know, Steve Corrick, he's got, he's got his work cut out. But uh, look, on paper, they've got they've still got a very, very formidable team. And the question, as it was so eloquently put by you, Scott, in the run sheet, Corica, more Rado or Musket? <laughs> well, I think it's probably going to be more Musket than Rado. Because I think he's actually really shown in pre-season here to get good results against some competitive teams. Whereas with, with Rado, even in the pre-season, they had some really bad results. I think they went to Adelaide in that pre-season and got beaten 4-5-0. So even at that early stage of the pre-season, there was, the signs were there that it wasn't or was not right. I was honestly ready to write them off, but at the moment it's too hard to count them out, really. I think there's just a lot to be excited about. You can't count them out, but I think they're going to have to find a replacement for Bahaja, and they might not get that replacement until until January, which might rule them out of the Premiership race. But even if they're in the top six, they're going to be a dangerous side. Yeah. Just like Melbourne Victory, they could go on the road and win, no problem. All right, uh, we're going to move on quickly. Uh, Wellington Phoenix, they're looking all right, but I'm a big fan of Mark Rudin. Are like, they? Well, they're, they're looking all right by Wellington standards. <laughs> trying to find the right way to dig myself out of that. But looking at some of the names they've brought in, they do have guys that could potentially, that do have something to prove. Like, we make fun of Mitch Nichols a lot, <coughs> as we can. Yep. But To be fair, he brought that on himself. Yeah. But bottom line is, like, when he's motivated, he, and yeah. on his game, he can be quite a dangerous prospect. Well, they're going to need him to get back to the Mitch Nichols at the Western Sydney Wanderers the year when... Remember, they went to the grand final in Adelaide. They need him to get back to that season, Spitz Nichols, because last year in Perth, he was a complete waste of time. Yeah. He just did not work, and I think they got rid of him pretty quickly. So I think he's got to get back to that form. If he does, then they've got themselves a midfielder who can influence games. But I think their visa players is where they're going to be looking for to lead this team. Yeah, Michael Kosimski could be key, Adam. Oh, uh, yeah, look, um, it's again, it's a tough ask for Mike Rudin, you know, to basically to try and resurrect, you know, Wellington here. Like, he's gone, he's gone with some, you know, some, I guess, decent uh, sort of visa players as well. But also as well, he's putting a lot of, um, he's putting a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, faith in some MPL sort of uh, players that have come up as well. Remember Wayne signed today? Yeah. It's, it's... Hey, that rhymes. <laughs> uh, well done. All right, uh, it's it... tough for them though because... They're now working in the backdrop of is this their last season, their second mm-hmm. last season with the license situation. They've that's really hanging over their their heads at the moment. It's, that needs to be resolved one way or the other for that club to actually really kick on. And I think yeah, I think as well as we've seen the A League over the past, so instability off the field doesn't bode well yeah. for you know on on the field. You know, no matches you try and separate it. If yeah, and that that spectre of oh, is this the next last season is going to weigh heavy, especially if they are struggling early. Let's sort of go back to making that home ground a fortress. Not every team tries to do it, but travelling over to New Zealand should be really tough for teams. Especially in the last couple of years, it's been a really comfortable away trip for a lot of teams. It should be one of the harder places to go. Especially when you do come from a fairly warm climate, as most of Australia is in January, and then you go to 12 degrees and raining sideways in Wellington. (laughs) All right, that's more than enough time on the Phoenix. Let's move on to the final team, uh, and the Wanderers. And they just missed out on the finals last season, and they've been sweeping changes, including uh, new coach Marcus Babbel. Do we know what to expect from them, or is I this have... going to be a big unknown? Well, no, obviously not an off-season, because their, their pre-season form is terrible. Yeah. Like, they're the, easily the worst um, pre-season of, of all, but uh, Marcus Babbel, he, he did he did sort of comment in the press saying that, you know, he's just not used to this very, very long off-season, so I don't know what that bodes. I think on paper, I think they've got some good good names. You know, uh, Boom Johan's going to be 
is going to be um, a very, very... Thank you for saying that. <laughs> it's going to be a sort of a big name on that. Uh, Patrick Ziegler as well, but... Uh, he's injured, though. Is he? He's out. He's been oh. injured for a little while, but apparently they played Tarek Elrich in the FA Cup semi-final at centre-back, and I didn't see it, but apparently it didn't work too well for them, so... No, it didn't. Yeah, but they, well, that's the score, no. The one thing with, uh, with Wanderers as well is they've got, they've got some very, very good young players coming up as well, whether they get their opportunity, um, that, that remains to be seen, but yeah, I think Wanderers there, yeah, it's, it's hard to line up. They're a tough one to gauge, because they're a mismatch of players. Like, remember all the players signed earlier, all the former Adelaide players from Gombau? Then he lent Gombau left, so it's kind of weird. They've got all Gombau signings, but he's not there. So it's weird. They always Riera. He's got 15 goals last year, but I don't think they got the best out of him. I no, think he he's can do one of those guys who yeah. should be should be providing a yeah. lot more. He might be a, like a dark horse golden boot contender if they can get it right, the service for him, because he was really good last year, and if they can get the best of him, he might be the player who can push them towards the finals. But I'm not sure what to make of him. Well, with that tease for the golden boot, we're going to take a break now. We're going to come back and talk about uh, our league predictions and look ahead to round one with the Roar against the Mariners. So we'll be back after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to the final segment of the Brisbane Football Review's A-League season preview show. It's James Scott and Adam here. And look, we've been recording for a while now. So if you're still with us, thank you very much. But right now we're going to go into a little bit of a prediction mode. So we're going to start off predicting the awards for the Raw and League-wide, starting off with Brisbane. So, cool. Gary Wilkins' medal for Player of the Year. Scott? Oh, it's got to be Bochak, right? He's now, he's now settled. We didn't talk about it earlier, but he was... Um, I'm not strong, but he um, had a rough start here, obviously trying to learn the language. His family arrived much later than him. Getting settled took a while. He's now settled here in Brisbane and seems to be really happy. And he's obviously a terrific player and should be the Raw's best this season. Adam? Yeah, I agree. Eric Botiak, I think, is uh, overwhelming favourite. I think, yeah, you're going to see the best of him. This year, last year was a preview. This is, this is going to be the real him. I'm going to throw the uh, Gary Wilkins medal and top goal scorer prediction into one and go Adam Taggart. Yep. If they're all going to be successful, he's going to score 20-plus yep. goals. Yep. Yeah, no, I'd take it for the golden boot as well. The only reason Taggart's not going to win the golden boot is if he gets injured. And fingers crossed that doesn't happen because he's a terrific player. But he's the obvious candidate for golden boot. And can we call the most improved player the Jacob Pepper Award? Because he took that out by a country mile last year. We can call it that if you'd like. Yeah. So who do we see as the most improved player for the Raw this year, Adam? Well, I think, uh, for me, Connor O'Toole. I yeah. think um, left-back is his for taking to make a permanent spot. And, yeah, I, I think he, he's, shown, he's shown that he probably you know, can be the, the number one left-back in Brisbane. I'll go for another defender, Daniel Bowles. He's been around for a while. He's been in and out of the side. I think this is the year he steps in and becomes a first-choice centre-back. And that's my pick for most improved. I'm going to actually go for Matt Mackay. Not that he had a bad year or anything last year, but he was... I did feel like he was a little bit off his game, especially when he didn't have Thomas Christensen next to him, where he was forced to do a little bit more defensive work than maybe suits his style of play. And I think with the competition in the midfield that we talked about in segment one, he's going to have to make sure that he's playing at the top of his game. So I can see a leap forward for Matt Mackay this year. Of course, I did predict Luke Devere to be Player of the Year last year, so apologies, <laughs> Mackay. Right, uh, Devere wasn't too bad. Yeah. League-wide, I'm, also, <coughs> I'm going to pair my Johnny Warren medalist and Golden Boot winner into Ola Toivonen from Melbourne Victory. Okay. I'm, I'm doubling up on all of these because, well, <laughs> why not? Why not? Uh, yeah, uh, for Johnny Warren medal, I reckon Keisuke Honda and uh, Bruno Fonaroli for Golden Boot. 
I'm with your Fauna Roly for Golden Boot, and I had no idea for Johnny Warren Medal, so I just went with what I read about the guy from Melbourne City, Florin Baringa. Ahead of Fauna Roly? No, Golden oh, Boot for Fauna Roly. Player of the Year. Player of the Year for Florin, I'm going to call him. Until until we get Baringa. the actual pronunciation. Alright, so now we're going to possibly uh, tick off a few people we're here. We're going to offend a lot of people here. Who, <laughs> might, who might take our predictions as a personal <laughs> affront, but look, we've got. Got to go as we see it, and uh, yeah. going to go through our ladder prediction. So, I'm actually going to write this down, and we might try and uh, put out a graphic oh at some point. Oh boy! <laughs> which I'm sure won't come back to bite us at all. No, never. Uh, but we have to do this. But this is my least favorite thing to do. Really, I thought your least favorite thing was uh, talking to me every week. It's up there. Yeah. All this right, is so a one-off, though. That's a regular thing. So I'm going to go first purely because I. Well, I've already put predictions yep. up for my day job, yep. and I'm going to stick with those to be nothing if not consistent. So I've got Wellington finishing 10th. Okay. I've got Central Coast finishing 9th, so not really a departure from yeah. the last two seasons. Uh-huh. Eighth place, I've actually got Newcastle. I think they're in for a big fall-off now that they're going to have a target on their back. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that that's going to be where the line is. Then there's probably going to be a bit of a mix between... Uh, Adelaide, I've got them finishing seventh. Yeah, I, I'm getting a bit of a quizzical look right now from mm. Adam. I, is that no, a no. I've got Brisbane finishing sixth and scraping into it, scraping into yeah. the finals. Fifth place, I've got Sydney FC. Mm-hmm. Uh, fourth place, I've got Melbourne City. Third place, I've got Perth Glory, and I accept that I'm probably overrating uh, the Popovich factor here. I'm taking Western Sydney Wanderers to finish second. And by process of elimination, that means it's going to be Brisbane Raw. Be- I mean uh, Melbourne Victory as the <laughs> premiers. Well, the re- reason for my quizzical look was because uh, we actually matched on a lot of things. Oh, um, good! I can just copy and paste. Yeah, it. Pretty, <laughs> no, I pretty much. Didn't match so with you, actually. from from the from the uh, bottom, so Wellington Phoenix in tenth, uh, Central Coast Mariners in ninth, Newcastle Jets in eighth, uh, Adelaide United in seventh. Yep. Then I went Western Sydney into sixth. Uh, P- Perth Glory 5th, Brisbane Raw 4th, Sydney FC 3rd, Melbourne City 2nd, and uh, Melbourne Victory for the Premiership. You pair disgust me. Picking Victory to win. <laughs> Alright, so my ladder, I've got 10th of Wellington, I just literally just wrote, sorry. There's, there's not, they are unfortunately the worst team, so I've got Wellington 10th. I've got Wanderers 9th, which is, okay. I cannot believe the fact that you've got them so high. I just, they're hard to read, and I'm not sold based on their preseason form, I just... I'm not convinced. So watch him play on Grand Final Day now. Yep. <laughs> uh, eighth, the Mariners just ahead of them because of McCormack's goals. I think he'll lift them slightly. Adelaide in seventh. They don't score enough goals for me. Newcastle sixth. I think they will take a step back to your point in Champions League will hurt them, but they've got a lot of goals there, <coughs> so I've got them sixth. Um, Brisbane Raw fifth. Stable off-season. No more excuses. I had Sydney FC and Perth Glories. I've just flipped them. So Sydney FC is now fourth. But I they were third. The Bahadur injuries got me spooked with them. I wonder how they're going to replace that. So Perth Glory is third with the new defensive solidity. Second is Melbourne Victory. They're a super team, but I think the depth and champion might just catch them, and by process of elimination, I have Melbourne City winning the winning the Premier's plate. There we go. They're, I... just, they're a well-built side, got a good spine and a good coach, and I think it's their year. It All should right. be anyway. It, yeah. I look, The thing that I'm looking forward to, just I want to touch on this quickly uh, going in, before we get into a little bit more detail, but honestly, I look at this and think any one of eight teams could win the league this year. Yep. Like, there 
is just a lot of quality to be excited about. I do think the Raw have taken steps forward as a side. I do feel like they're significantly stronger than last year. It's just while they've taken steps forward, that some of the competition has just take, jumped forward in leaps and bounds. Like, we've looked at... We've spoke about it. Victory, Sydney, like, their squads are very, very good. And, look, the Raw could easily beat them on their day, and it pro- might not be a case of a runaway league winner. I just think that yeah. the Raw are maybe half a step yeah. behind the best. The sliders were really hard to put together, and you're right. There's a number of teams you can make a really strong argument for if you sit here and talk yourself into them being a top-two side. It's just... You can't fit everybody up there, and at some point you've got to got to place them where you think it's going to happen. Well, the important thing is that we we do we do these predictions based on you know the starting to, you know, even the squad of twenty three. Assume that they're going to be fit, but obviously injuries are going to take a part. Um, and that, I think I think that this league is a lot closer than the past. I don't I can't see a Sydney running away with it. You know, I think and I think injuries, you know, team selection tactics are all going to play a part. So I think you know, come the end of the season, I would not be shocked if it's completely you know. Overturned, I guess you know that, but but at the moment on paper, that's you know how we see it. The bottom line is Wellington's winning the league based on our predictions. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, yeah. So there's a lot to look forward to this season. Like even if you're not necessarily a hardcore Raw fan who wants them to win the double, yeah. and let's face it, if they do, that's great. Fingers for, crossed. Yeah, <laughs> I will be celebrating very very hard. Yeah, but <clears throat> I would say most importantly. If the even if you're not a hardcore Raw fan, there is so much to be excited about. Like you've got Honda, you've got Lafondre, you've got a lot of you've got a player on every side that makes them worth watching. Even Wellington. Really? Yeah. I, even, I'm joking. <laughs> anyway, no, of course, right? They do. There's, every team's got good players. That's the it. Standard is rising again, which is good. That's it. So we're gonna uh, change gears now and go into our preview because. Who would have thought the season finally gets underway this weekend? Oh, the world's longest off-season's almost over. Oh, thank goodness it cannot end soon enough, this off-season. Extra not... long this year because of the damn international break. Although it is still not the world's most painful in, uh, off-season, that still is uh, held by the NFL. <laughs> True. That's entertaining in the off-season, though, with the draft and free agency and stuff. No, it's not. It's more entertaining than the A-League off-season, all right? When the A-League network starts producing the A-League top 100 players voted on by the players, but no player actually admits to voting on, that's when it'll be as painful. I I don't give Fox ideas. I have no (laughs) idea what you just said then, so... Yes, anyway. uh, So, the Raw open up their season at home against the Mariners, uh, Sunday at 4pm. I cannot wait. There have been just a few memorable encounters between these sides at Suncorp on a Sunday afternoon. There have been, and actually the Raw are really good in their first home game of the season as well. I think they've only lost twice, one of them which was last year. Both were to Adelaide. Yeah, both were to Adelaide. One was last year, so they've been really good at home in the first game. And you're right, Sunday afternoon, Central Coast Mariners, what can go wrong? Exactly. Well, uh, Stefan Mork was at a press conference today, and we asked him what making his uh, A-League Raw debut at home means for him. Yet to make your debut at home. Are you looking forward to playing in front of the den? Yeah, yeah, it should be really good. I, I remember uh, making you know, my first couple of appearances um, quite a number of years ago when Brisbane were a force, and it was a pretty intimidating place to play at um, when they got on top, um, especially with the weather conditions. They keep the ball. It's a tough place to come, and, and that's what we want to make sure that we do that this year to other teams, um, knowing we've got that advantage of being used to these humid conditions. Uh, we need to make the most of it. So Stefan Mork there was talking about the humid conditions and the advantages that the Raw can have playing in that. 
Do you reckon they're going to be fit enough to run out the full 90 minutes right from week one? I definitely think that's been the plan. They've been in training for a very long time. They were, one, they were the first team back in pre-season training. I think they've even moved their training sessions later in the day to accommodate the heat and to train in the heat, which is a big advantage. It's an advantage for the Raw they have. And I think, yes, they will be planning to outrun teams over the course of the season. Which is something that we're quite familiar with the Raw doing. And I can honestly say, I was out there this morning, yeah. it was like a swamp at Logan today. Like, just before. with all the rain we've had lately, yeah. it's yeah, hot, humid, and just generally unpleasant. It tends to rain right on top of that training ground they've got there too, quite often. Every time I've been there, it's been raining. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, that's that's the roar of old. You know, you know, sort of running over top teams, and you would hope that, that this is what they're sort of aiming towards. Absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah so Usain Bolt was obviously mentioned here and there, but it doesn't seem like he's going to be involved. He wasn't so. going to play anyway. Let's be honest. So last season between these sides, it was a nil-nil draw, which was probably one of the worst games of the season we had to sit through, as Scott dozes off mm-hmm. trying to remember it. But the Raw did win the other two matchups. It was 2-1 away on the day after Australia Day. That was the game straight after the other game, which we won't mention again. Yep, that's right. Yep. And then they won 1-0 at home later on in the season. Yep. So a uh, couple. It was qu- the last home game, actually. Yeah, a couple of quick stats. Raw are undefeated in their last twelve against the Mariners, so that certainly bodes well for mm-hmm. them. Uh, their last loss was round twenty-seven, thirteen, fourteen, where the Raw had already wrapped up the premiership and had their eyes on the finals. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. Borussia might have been suspended that game again after another. <laughs> he had a lot of red cards late in that season. He might have been suspended. Well, he was, you know, getting ready to go to yeah. Melbourne. Uh, <laughs> yeah, last six games at Suncorp, uh, five wins and a draw for the Raw, eighteen goals, four, three against. Uh, that's against Mariners. Overall, it's uh, played 42, won 24, drawn 11 and lost 7. Uh, head-to-head of 78, 48 in favour of the Raw. And at Suncorp, it's 20, played 22, 11 wins, 6 draws and 5 losses. 39, 26, and of course, one memorable penalty shootout win. <laughs> Good times. I'm trying to think. So there's two players left in the Raw side from that grand final. You've got Enrique who, and Mackay, who yeah. have both been in comeback. Yeah, no one's been there that day and still there. Theo was the last one who'd been there the whole time. That's I don't right. think there's anyone on the Mariners either. I think Josh Rose was their last player from that day, and he retired during the offseason. And the most common result has been a 1-0 win. Seven times in this fixture. Keep that in mind for a minute. Yes. <laughs> so, we've got a few debuts uh, in line, Scott. Potential debuts for Brendan White, Alex Lopez, Stefan Negro, and Dylan Wenzel-Halls, and starts at number 140. I would guess that Lopez is the player most likely to yeah, get on the field for that. Yeah, would say so. Now, yeah, we... Before we go, we did just want to touch on an email we got from uh, James Gray. So if you do send an email in with uh, questions, we'll try and answer yeah, them, mostly if I remember it. But like, at gmail.com if you want to send in your questions. That's right. So he asked us to talk about who's going to be on the bench for this because I feel like I've got a pretty solid idea of the starting 11. Yep. It's going to be Jamie Young. Uh, you're going to have probably Bowles and Pap... Uh, will it be Papadopoulos? I, I would have thought if he's fit and healthy, it will be Papadopoulos. Otherwise, it'll be Pepper. Yep. Then you've also got Connor O'Toole and Jack Hinger. Yep. Midfield, I'm going to guess, will be Christensen, Mackay, and Mork. Yep. And then you've got Mickelson, Taggart, and Bortiak. Yep. James wants to know, how do we see... Um, he's a bit concerned that the youth will be shunned on the bench, because I feel like Enrique's got a spot bolted on. Yep. If Jacob Pepper doesn't start, he's probably going to be the next yeah, cab It'll off be the either race. Jacob Pepper and or Stefan Negro on that defensive utility bench spot, along with Brendan White, the goalkeeper. That leaves you two. I think Alex Lopez will be on there. And then what you're down to one spot, and then yeah, it could, uh, could go to Dylan Wenzel Halls, it could go to D'Agostino, it could go to any 
Yeah. I feel like someone really obvious I'm missing here as well. Probably, but... Well, but obviously, Brett Holman... Brett Holman would be so the other one. I don't think Brett Holman's going to be available. No. That will come out a little bit more when the squads are released, I'm assuming, tomorrow, yeah. which is Thursday. He hasn't played in all pre-season, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Like, some of the battles he picked out, Coletti v. Lopez, I think you've got to go with Lopez. <laughs> like, while we'd Lopez, like to see Coletti get a run, Lopez does seem like the You don't bring the, the guy in from Spain to not play him. He's mm. Even though he hasn't got here late and he might not be as sharp, it'd be like um, Hervas and Arana start him on the bench, build up his sharpness, and hope to bring him into the lineup and hope that he's more effective than those two. Yeah, that's it. Hopefully that's the last comparison to Hervas and Arana for the year. <laughs> Fingers crossed, yeah. So, I think... The good news is, like, right now, they've got, what, 18, 19, yeah. 20 guys who could potentially be in the match day squad, and they've only got 16 spots. So James's point, though, the email, the youth may very well start the year on the way out, but even if they, on the outer, but even if they do, I don't necessarily think they won't get a chance. Because injuries and suspension and form will, will kick in at some point, and there will be a spot open for them. It's just when they get it, they're going to take it. Yeah. I, think, I think we'll talk about, you know, further down the track, especially when we know what happens. When but we have been going think, for an hour and a quarter. Yeah, I, but I think also as well, a lot of the, the young young guys, I think that they'll start seeing their, you know, some time in National Youth League. And I think they're going to have a fairly strong team. I think if if the, it's a starting 11 and, you know, the, the more experienced player, if that's solid, a lot of these young guys will probably get their way through, you know, get some time logged up in National Youth League. Then they obviously form and then situation will obviously then dictate that. It's also hard to predict in round one because everyone plays in pre-season when you make 11 changes, so it's hard to predict. But... Yeah, I do. but as we mentioned earlier, I could see a, a situation unfold where it is a case of, all right, it's the Mariners, they may want to go a little bit more attacking, so you could see a slightly more attacking heavy bench, whereas last year we basically just saw who's available on the bench. I definitely think if where possible it will be an attack-driven bench. That's what most coaches around the A-League prefer. Players who can change the game, so... That's it. All right. So thanks, James, for the question. Um, are we going to do score predictions this season? Do we have to? No. Good. I, I'm fine with it. I, although I will say I'm pretty confident the Roar are going to start this season off on a winning note. I'm confident they will win as well, but watch out for Ross McCormack. And the Mike Mulvey factor we didn't discuss in the preview, him coming back to Suncorp. He'd love nothing more than to to come back to Suncorp and win. You can imagine, given the way his departure happened, he'd be really... I reckon he would have penciled this game in as I want my team firing on this day. That's it. Adam, what are you thinking? Oh, we'll win. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if it's one of those things where they do have to really kick into gear after an hour. I'm not sure it's going to be as comfortable a win as a lot of people think it will be, either. The Mariners are battle-hardened as well. They've played a lot of games in pre-season, and a lot of games in the spotlight, which will help them as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I can see the Mariners being better than expected, but anyway. The win. I think that'll do us for now. Uh, everyone get out and enjoy the game on Sunday. So I... you're telling us to get out then? <laughs> well, no, I'm going to do that once I stop recording. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks everyone for listening to this season preview. We hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have stuck with us for the whole show, well done. Uh, thanks to Jamie Young for the interview. We appreciate the time. I think that's his second appearance on the show now. Yes. Yep. Is it? Uh, yeah. Remember I spoke to him after the... Uh... Oh, you did. Yes, you did. You did. Yeah. Second, second on this season. Yes. Yeah. So big fans of him now. <laughs> Not that we always were. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening. Enjoy the football this weekend. Go Raw for round one and the season. We'll talk to you next week.